This is the Hasidic Story Project with Barack Holman, podcasting from Jerusalem, Israel. This podcast is sponsored by listeners just like you. To become a supporter of this podcast, please go to HasidicStory.com. H-A-S-I-D-I-C Story.com. You'll never know. You'll never know. You'll never know. You'll This is episode 200 of the Hasidic Story Project. And believe me when I tell you, my sweetest friends and dear listeners, I really never imagined that I would reach the 200th episode. But in my mind, I had this dream that if I got to 200 stories, I would share with you the most special story. This is a story that contains all stories and a lesson that contains all lessons. This is the story that answers many of life's questions and lays down the path for a lifetime of self-work and improvement. This is a story that includes all of Hasidus. All of it can be found in this story. And this is the story that Rabbi Nachman said to learn again and again and never stop learning and living this story. There were once two fathers who merited to be householders. They owned their homes. And they lived in the same city, and they were wealthy and had large homes. And each had a son, and these two boys were friends. They grew up together in the same cheder. One of them was exceptionally intelligent, and the other was just simple. It wasn't that he was foolish, but he was very straightforward and humble. And these two boys became very good friends, and they had a great love for one another, despite the fact that they were so different, one being very sophisticated and the other very simple and humble. And as time passed, as things happened, the fathers lost money and they were forced to sell almost everything that they owned and they became poor. All that remained was their homes and they each turned to their sons and they said, boys, you've both grown up. We don't have the means to support you anymore. So go out into the world and make a living for yourselves. And the simpleton, who in Hebrew is called the Tam, he went and learned to be a shoemaker. But the sophisticate, who in Hebrew is called the Chacham, who was very intelligent, he couldn't be a simple craftsman. He decided he needed to go out into the world and explore and see what's out there before deciding what to do for a living. And so he's wandering in the main street and he sees a large carriage with four horses rushing through. And he shouts to the carriage, Where are you from? And the merchants on the carriage say, We're from Warsaw. And the sophisticate says, Where are you going? They said, We're going to Warsaw. So he said, can you use a helper? And they saw that he was very intelligent and eager. And so they said, sure, jump on. And he jumps in the carriage and traveled with the merchants and helped them along the way. And once they arrived in Warsaw, he said to himself, you know, I'm very intelligent. Now that we're already here in the big city of Warsaw, why should I remain with these merchants? They're not intelligent like me. Maybe there's somewhere better to go. Maybe there's a better job for me. Let me see what else is out there. And so he went to the market and he's asking around. And he was told that the merchants that he came with were nice people. But they traveled a lot. And that's not an easy business. So he continued walking around and he noticed a clothing store. And he saw the people there were making a lot of money. Selling elegant hats, long pointed shoes, whatever the fashion of the day was. And he figured, well, in this place I don't have to travel. So he went to the merchants and he thanked them for taking him to Warsaw. And they paid him for the work that he did. And he took a job as a shopkeeper. And as a new assistant in the shop, he didn't get paid very much and he had to do heavy work. Only later would he reach a higher level and a higher pay. And the shopkeeper made the sophisticate work very hard. And he had to carry the clothes over his arm and his shoulder. 
and this was hard work. And sometimes he had to carry heavy loads up flights of stairs. So he says to himself, I'm very intelligent. I have the mind of a philosopher. What do I need this work for? The ultimate goal is to get married and make money. But I don't have to think about that right now. I've got plenty of time for that in the future. Right now, I need to travel around and see the world. And so he went to the market and he saw merchants traveling in a big wagon. And he said to them, where are you going? They said, Lagorna. He didn't know where Lagorna was. He just said, will you take me? And they saw an intelligent guy. And they said, sure, jump on. And from there, they went to Italy. And then after that, they went to Spain. And he traveled with them for several years, seeing many parts of Europe. And he said, you know what? I have to get back to focusing on the main goal. And using his philosophical mind, he said, what should I do? What kind of work should I do that would be prestigious and make a lot of money and require skill and intelligence and make me rich? And so he went to a jeweler who was working with gold and being very intelligent. Within a few months, he became an outstanding craftsman, something that would have taken somebody 10 or 20 years to learn. He even became more skilled than the master craftsman himself. And afterwards, he said to himself, even though I'm so good at this jewelry making, it's not enough for me. Maybe one day people will stop buying gold. I need to find something more prestigious. And so he took a job with a gem cutter. And within a short amount of time, a few months, he became a master gem cutter. And then he philosophized again. He said, even though I know how to make gold jewelry and I can cut gems, maybe one day people won't appreciate those things. I need to find something that will always be important. And so he decided to study medicine. He said, I have the mind for medicine. I have the intelligence for medicine. But first, one had to learn Latin, how to read, speak, and write Latin, as well as science and philosophy. And with his brilliant mind, he was able to learn all of this just within a few months. He became a great doctor and a philosopher and an expert in all kinds of fields. And after all of this, the world seemed like nothing to him because of his great, brilliant, genius mind. Being a master craftsman, a philosopher, a doctor, everyone else in the world seemed like nothing to him. And so he said, well, I have to pursue the main goal, which is to get married. If I marry a woman here, she won't appreciate all I've accomplished. So I better go back home and people will see that this young man has become a master, a genius. I've achieved so much. And he traveled back home, but he suffered the whole way. Because he was so brilliant, he had no one to talk with. Everyone he spoke with was too simple for him. And so the whole ride back home, he just suffered and complained. Now let's set aside the story of the sophisticate for a minute, and let's see what happened to the simpleton. He decided to learn to make shoes, and since he was simple, it took him a really long time to learn it. And even after he learned it, he wasn't very good at it. But he got married, and he was able to make a living from his work. And being simple, and not so good at making shoes, he didn't make very much money. And he was busy working all the time. He didn't even have time to eat. He was always working, taking the awl and putting it through the leather, taking thick thread, drawing it through the way shoemakers do. And in between, he would take a bite of his bread. But the simpleton was always happy. He was always full of joy all the time. And he had every type of food, drink, and clothing. He would say to his wife, my wife, give me something to eat. And she would bring him a piece of bread. And afterwards, he would say, my dear wife, give me some beans and gravy. And she would slice for him another piece of bread. And he would eat it and he would say, You're such a good cook. This gravy is so wonderful. It's the best gravy and beans I ever ate in my life. And he would say to his wife, My dear wife, bring me some meat and other fine foods. And every type of food that he asked for, she would give him another slice of bread. 
and he had so much delight in it. He said to his wife, You're such a good cook. This food is so tasty. And for the simpleton, it was as if he was actually eating that very food. The truth is that when he ate a slice of bread, he tasted every type of food that he wanted. And that was because of his great simplicity and joy. And he would say to his wife, Bring me the liquor. And she would give him a cup of water. And he would say, Isn't this fine liquor? Who has liquor on this level? Say to his wife, Bring me the honey beer. And she would give him another cup of water. And he would say, This beer is amazing. He'd say, Bring me the wine. And she'd give him a cup of water. And for him, it was as if he was drinking the finest wine anyone had ever had in their whole lives. And when it came to his clothes, he and his wife shared one thick sheepskin coat. They needed an overcoat to go to the market. They could only afford one. He said to his wife, My dear wife, bring me the overcoat. And she'd give it to him. And when he needed to wear a fine fur coat in order to make a social visit, he would say, My dear wife, bring me the fur coat. And she would give him the sheepskin. And he would say, What a beautiful fur coat this is. And admire himself wearing the sheepskin as if it was a fur coat. And when he needed a kaftan to go to shul, he would say to his wife, Bring me the silk kaftan. And she would give him the sheepskin overcoat. And he would say to his wife, Do you know anyone who has a more beautiful kaftan than this? And when he needed something even fancier, he would praise it and have so much delight in it. And he was always filled with joy and appreciated everything all the time. And when he finished making a shoe, many times it was a triangular shoe because he wasn't really good at making shoes. But he would take the shoe and hold it up to the light. And he would say, My dear wife, look at how beautiful and wonderful this shoe is. Mwah! He'd kiss the shoe. He'd say, look at how sweet this shoe is. It's pure honey and sugar. Ah, I'm really good at this. And his wife said to the simpleton, Well, my dear husband, if you're really so good at making shoes, how come the other shoemakers take three gold coins for a pair of shoes and people only pay you one and a half? He says, what do I care? That's their work. And this is my work. Besides, what do I care what others do? Look at how much profit I make. The leather costs this much, the glue and the thread this much, the filling this much. And in the end, I make ten groschen. Why should I mind if I make such a profit? And he was happy all the time. And people thought he was a fool. They would make fun of him because he seemed like a crazy man. People would approach him and have a conversation just for the opportunity of making fun of him. And he would say to them, as long as you don't mock me, you're welcome to speak with me, but no making fun of me. And he would listen to what they have to say and have a conversation with them. And he never judged people too deeply because he thought judging people is also a form of mockery. And I'm not going to mock someone else. But if he saw that somebody really was making fun of them, he would say to them, You think you're smarter than me? You must be nothing but a fool. And this is how the simpleton lived his life. Now let's return back to the sophisticate. One day, in the town where the two men grew up, there was a huge commotion because the sophisticate had come home and the simpleton ran out to meet him. And he was so happy that his friend was back. He shouts to his wife, Quick, give me the silk coat. I need to go meet my dear friend. And she gave him the sheepskin coat. And the sophisticate was traveling in a horse-drawn carriage, a magnificent carriage. And the simpleton came out to meet him full of love and joy, asking him, how are you, my dear brother? I missed you so much. 
Boch Hashem, I married to see you. But in the eyes of the sophisticate, nobody was as smart as him. No one was accomplished like him, and so everybody else was nothing. When the sophisticate looks at the simpleton, he thinks to himself, the guy's gone crazy. But because they were old friends, he was friendly to him, and the two of them traveled into town together. Now the two fathers of these two sons had passed away a long time ago, when the sophisticate was traveling from country to country, and their two houses remained. The simpleton, who stayed at home, inherited his father's house, and continued to live in his father's house. But since the sophisticate had been away, and there was no one to take care of the house, it was falling apart, and he had nowhere to stay when he arrived. He went to an inn, but the inn was nothing like the beautiful hotels he had stayed in, in all of Europe, and he couldn't stay there. And the simpleton was completely obsessed with being with his old friend, the sophisticate. He would run from his house to the sophisticate, filled with love and joy, and he would see how much the sophisticate was suffering. And the simpleton said to him, My brother, please come to my house and stay with me. I'll put all of my possessions into one corner, and you can have the whole house. And the sophisticate liked the idea, so he moved into the simpleton's house. But the sophisticate was always full of pain and suffering. He had a reputation for being a wise philosopher, a master craftsman, and a doctor. And a nobleman once came and ordered a gold ring from the sophisticate. And he made a beautiful ring engraved with extraordinary designs and an amazing tree. But when the nobleman came, he didn't like the ring at all. And the sophisticate suffered. Because he knew in Spain, people would say he was a genius for making such a ring like this. Another time, another great nobleman came and brought a very expensive jewel that he acquired from a faraway land. And he had another precious stone with a certain design in it. And he asked the sophisticate to design exactly the same thing in the other gemstone. And the sophisticate engraved it exactly the same, except that he made one mistake. But nobody could see it except for him. And the nobleman came back and took the gemstone and was very happy and paid the sophisticate very well for it. But the sophisticate suffered from that because he said, No one really appreciates my work. Here I make a beautiful ring for somebody who doesn't like it. Here I make a mistake and this ignoramus can't even see my mistake. He also suffered as a doctor when he would visit a patient and prescribe a medicine which he knew for sure would definitely cure the patient. If the patient died afterwards, people would say that he prescribed the wrong medicine. But if the patient lived, people would say it was just a coincidence. And so the sophisticate was always suffering. And the same thing when he needed clothes. He would summon the tailor, explain to him in detail exactly how he wanted his clothes to be. And the tailor did exactly as he was instructed, with the exception of one little lapel, which went slightly wrong. But the sophisticate freaked out when he saw it. He said, this is horrible. I can't wear something like this. Maybe here people think it's nice. But if I was in Spain, they would throw me out of the country. I'd be the laughing stock of the whole country. And so he was always suffering. And each time the simpleton would come running to the sophisticate full of joy, only to find him miserable and full of pain. And he would say to him, how can somebody as brilliant and wealthy as you suffer all the time? Look at me, I'm always happy. But the sophisticate looked at the simpleton and thought he was crazy. And the simpleton said, yeah, it's true. People make fun of me. They think I'm crazy, but they're the fools. They think they're smarter than me. They're really the fools. And this applies more to you than anyone else. The only thing that could make you truly wise is if you could attain my level. The sophisticate thought this was the stupidest thing he ever heard in his whole life. He said, I should attain your level? Chas v'shalom. 
God forbid, it's true. I could, God forbid, become sick and lose my intelligence or go insane. Yeah, I could reach your level. Anyone can reach your level. But you could never reach the wisdom that I've achieved. And the simpleton said to his friend, the sophisticate, for Hashem, everything is possible. It might be that I could reach your level in the blink of an eye. And the sophisticate simply laughed at him. <laughs> You're killing me. Now, the way news spread in those days was people would travel from town to town and they would ask one another, what did you see? What did you hear? And people started talking about these two friends. And they were known as the Sophisticate and the Simpleton. And even though there are many Sophisticates and Simpletons in the world, since these two are from the same place and grew up together and were friends, and one was this genius and the other was simple and straightforward, in the population registry, where everyone was written down by their family name, one was called the Sophisticate and the other was called the Simpleton. And one day, the king is going over the population registry. And he sees these two names, the Sophisticate and the Simpleton. And he says, I'd like to meet these two guys. But he thinks to himself, if I send them a message directly from me, the king, I might scare them. The Sophisticate might be so shocked, he wouldn't believe it. And the Simpleton might be scared out of his mind. So the king decided to send two messengers, a Sophisticated Messenger to the Sophisticate and a Simple Messenger to the Simpleton. And he looked around the capital city, where most people were very sophisticated, and the only person he could find that was simple and honest was the head of the treasury, because no one wants a sophisticate in charge of the treasury, because that sophistication might lead to stealing all the king's money. So the king called in one of his sophisticated servants, together with the simpleton who was in charge of the treasury, and he gave them two letters, along with a letter for the governor of the province where these two friends lived. And in the letter to the governor, the king gave instructions to send the sophisticate and the simpleton to the governor. He didn't want them to panic. He should write that there's no urgency. The king was in no rush. They can come if they wanted. And if they didn't want to come, it was also okay. The king just wanted to meet them. He was just curious. So the two messengers traveled and they gave the letter to the governor. And the governor asked, who's the sophisticate and simpleton? And people told him the sophisticate was a genius. And the simpleton is a very simple guy. He's kind of a fool. And the governor, realizing that it wouldn't be proper to bring the simpleton in front of the king wearing just a sheepskin, had proper clothes made for him. And they were placed in a carriage that was going to collect the simpleton and bring him to the king. And the messengers traveled there with the letters from the governor and from the king. And the sophisticated messenger delivered his letter to the sophisticate. Well, the simple messenger delivered it to the simpleton. And when the simpleton received the letter, he said, I don't understand what's written in it. I can't read this writing. And the messenger says, no problem. I'll tell you what it says. It says the king wants you to come and visit him. And the simpleton says, please don't make fun of me. And the messenger said, no, of course not. It's true. It's not a joke. And the simpleton was full of joy. And he ran to tell his wife, my dear wife, the king has sent for me. Why? She said, does the king care about you? And the simpleton said, listen, wife, I have no time to answer you. And he rushed off happily with the messenger, climbed into the carriage. And when he saw the clothes that were made for him, he was even happier. In the meantime, the governor of the province was caught trying to steal from the king. And he was removed from his office. And the king said, I know that it's good to have a simple, honest person running the treasury. So why don't I have the simpleton become the governor? And without even meeting him, the king appointed the simpleton as the governor. 
And along the way, the simpleton arrived in the provincial city, the capital of the province where he lived. And as soon as he arrived, they said, congratulations, you're now the governor. And he says to them, please don't make fun of me. They said, no, look, we have a letter from the king. And the simpleton immediately took up the position of the governor with all the power and strength of being the governor of the entire province. And now his fortune was on the rise and it enabled him to have a greater understanding of the world. And he governed his province sincerely and honestly. And there wasn't a trace of corruption with the simpleton. Now, it's not easy to run a province. And when two people would appear in front of him with a legal case, he would simply say, you're guilty and you're innocent without any craftiness or deceit. And he was always truthful and honest. And the people of the province loved him and his advisors loved him. And out of love, one of his advisors came and said, one day you're going to be summoned before the king. It's just a matter of time. And even though you're very honest and you run everything without any corruption, the king might take the conversation into deep philosophical concepts in foreign languages. And so I want you to be able to answer the king. So let me teach you some languages and some philosophical ideas. The simpleton says, okay, why should I mind if I learn some deep ideas and languages? And immediately he recalled his friend, the sophisticated who told him it would be impossible for him to ever reach his level. And here, he had already reached the wisdom of his sophisticated friend. But still, he conducted himself with his usual honest simplicity and was always happy. And the king summoned him and they discussed what was going on in the province. And the simpleton made a very good impression on the king, who saw that he was just and honest and not corrupt. And then the king discussed philosophical ideas and spoke in foreign languages. And the simpleton could answer. And the king was very impressed. And he said, you're very wise and you govern in an honest way and everyone loves you. I want to make you the prime minister. You're going to be the head of all the ministers in this kingdom. And the king made a special palace for him and he became very great and powerful. As for the sophisticate, when the king's letter arrived, he said to the sophisticated messenger, wait, stay here tonight and let's think about this. And that night they made a great feast. And the sophisticate said, Tell me, what is this that the king wants to see me? Who am I that the king would want to see me? The king is so great and powerful, and I'm nothing compared to the king. It doesn't make any sense that the king would want to speak with me. If they say it's because I'm a genius, I'm sure the king is much smarter than me. Doesn't he have advisors? The king himself must be very smart. Why does the king need to see me? And he said to the messenger, Mark my words. In my opinion, this doesn't make any sense. As a matter of fact, I think there's no king in the world at all. Just because everybody thinks there's a king, should there be a king? How is it possible that everyone would allow a human being to rule over them? But the messenger said, I brought you a letter from the king. And the sophisticate said, did you actually receive the letter from the king himself? And the messenger said, no, I got the letter from somebody who works for the king. He said, you see, that's what I'm saying. There's no king at all. And he asked him more questions. You come from the capital city. You grew up there. You've lived there your whole life. Have you ever seen the king with your own eyes? And he said, no, because not everybody gets to see the king. And the sophisticate said, you see, what I'm saying makes complete sense. You've never even seen the king. So the messenger says, well, then who runs the country if not the king? And the sophisticate says, I'll explain it to you. I've traveled to many countries. I've been to Italy. They have 70 ministers. Each of them governs the country for a set amount of time. And everyone has a chance to run the country. And the sophisticated messenger said, you know what? I think you're right. There is no king. 
And the sophisticate said, let's wait until the morning and I'll find you proof after proof that there's no king in the world at all. And so they got up early the next morning. And the sophisticate says to the messenger, come outside with me. I'll prove it to you. The whole world is wrong. There's no king and they're all making a mistake. So they see a soldier and they grab him. They say, who do you serve? He says, I serve the king. They ask him, have you ever seen the king? No. They start laughing. (laughs) (laughs) Have you ever seen a bigger fool than this soldier? So then they went to the army officer and they said, who do you serve? He said, I serve the king. Have you ever seen the king? No. And so the sophisticate and the messenger said, they're all fools. There's no king. They're serving the king. You never saw the king. I never saw the king. It's all a big lie. There's no king at all. And they said, let's travel the world and we'll prove again and again that there is no king. And everywhere they went, they asked everyone, have you ever seen the king? No one ever saw the king. And they said, you see, the whole world is mistaken. And they continued traveling till they used up all their money. And then they sold one horse and sold another. Until they sold all the horses and then they had to just walk. And everywhere they walked, they're making fun of everyone because nobody actually saw the king. And at some point, they had to beg for food. They didn't have anything left. And they're walking around begging, laughing and making fun of everyone because they're all a bunch of fools who believe in a king that doesn't exist. And eventually, in their wandering, they came to the city where the prime minister, the simpleton, lived. And in the same town lived a miracle worker, a tzaddik, a Baal Shem, who everyone knew could do miracles. And all of the ministers respected him. And when these two sophisticates arrived in town, they walked around till they got to the house of the miracle worker. And they saw there were maybe 40 or 50 sick people, all kinds of people waiting outside. And the sophisticate figured this must be the house of a doctor. And he figured he's a great doctor. And there's a doctor with a line of 50 people waiting for him. So he goes in and he says, where's the doctor? They say, there's no doctor here. He's a miracle worker. And the sophisticate burst out laughing. (laughs) This is the stupidest thing I ever heard. And the sophisticated messenger is laughing along with him. Oh my God, this is even more foolish than believing in the king. People are coming to a miracle worker and they're not going to a doctor. But these two guys, they were running out of money. They only had a few coins left and they went to a soup kitchen and they ordered food and they're laughing and they're joking about the miracle worker. And the owner of the soup kitchen hears this and he says, finish your food and get out of here. That miracle worker is highly respected here. And afterwards, the miracle worker's son arrived and they were making fun of the miracle worker right in front of his son. And the owner of the soup kitchen gave them a good beating and threw them out. Now they were angry. Because even though it was a soup kitchen, they did pay for their food and they didn't get to finish eating and they were kicked out. They said, this is not the way you treat people. And the soup kitchen owner said, listen, you don't make fun of the miracle worker. In this town, he's highly respected. So they decided to go to an officer and complain. Is this the way to treat a person? Everybody knows that there's no such thing as miracle workers. Everyone knows there's no such thing as a king. And they kept complaining, going higher and higher until they reached the office of the prime minister. And as soon as the sophisticate entered the room of the prime minister, the simpleton recognized his old friend. But the sophisticate did not recognize the simpleton because he never would have imagined that he would be the prime minister. And the simpleton says to his friend, do you see where my simplicity has brought me? Do you see that my simplicity has brought me to wealth and power? And where has your sophistication brought you? And the sophisticate says, well, it's very nice to see you, my old friend, but I demand justice. 
And the simpleton realizes he's not going to understand what's going on. So he says, okay, why do you demand justice? Just because I spoke out against the miracle worker doesn't mean that I should be kicked out of the soup kitchen. Everyone knows there's no such things as miracle workers. And the simpleton says, you're still holding by your sophisticated ideas. You see, you said that you could easily attain my level, but that I could never attain your level. And yet, I've reached your level of wisdom, and you still have not reached my level of simplicity. It's much harder for you to attain my simple level than it was for me to attain your sophistication. And so the Prime Minister ordered that new clothes be brought to these two men, and a meal be prepared for them. And the sophisticate and the messenger are telling the Prime Minister, you know, we're walking around already for years, proving that there's no king. No one believes in the king. There's no such thing as the king. The simpleton says, what are you talking about? I see the king every day. I work with the king all the time. And the sophisticate says, sure, but how do you know he's really the king? How would you recognize him? Do you know that his father and his grandfather were kings? Are you sure he's the king? People told you that he was the king, but they're lying to you. Now the simpleton got very angry. My sweetest friends, at this point in the story, I'm going to use Rav Nassin's perush to explain the story. In the meantime, the sophisticate and his friend, the messenger, refused to believe that there was a king, that there was a miracle worker, that his friend, the simpleton, had actually met the king, that miracles could happen. And they left the office of the prime minister and went to the local tavern and started drinking. And all along, they're making fun of everyone, making fun of the miracle worker, making fun of the king, making fun of the prime minister. And this went on for many years, smoking, drinking, neglecting themselves, getting deeper and deeper depressed, being so cynical and laughing at everyone. And everybody would look at these two and say, look at how pathetic they are. They just sit there and get drunk all the time. They're stuck in a swamp of depression and sadness. And one day, the simple Tim Prime Minister is passing by the miracle worker's house, and he remembers his friend, the sophisticate. And he came to the miracle worker and showed him a great deal of respect. And he said, do you remember my friend, the sophisticate, that denied the king and you and everything? And the miracle worker said, yes. And the prime minister said, do you think we can help him get out of his misery? And the miracle worker said, the two of us can go together. And with the help of the tzaddik, the miracle worker, they went into the tavern. They found the sophisticate. And as soon as they walked in, the sophisticate and the messenger started laughing. My brother, my old friend, everybody thinks I'm a stupid drunk. But the truth is, I'm smarter than everyone. There is no king. And the simpleton says, you still believe in your sophisticated ideas? According to you, there's only human beings. You don't believe in miracles. And you don't believe in anything. You see standing next to me here is the miracle worker. And he's the only one that can take you out of this depression. And he's the only one that can show you the truth. And the miracle worker, because he was connected to Hashem in such a deep way, just being in the presence of the tzaddik was enough to open the eyes of the sophisticate. And they realized that everything that they had thought was real, that there wasn't a king, that there were no miracles, that they were the ones that understood everything, and everyone else was a fool, was all wrong. And the truth is that there is a king. That was a long story, my sweetest friends. And there's so much to learn in this story. 
a story to really live with all the time, but I'll share with you some simple insights. First of all, be a chassid of the simpleton. He wasn't stupid. He just didn't allow heretical thoughts to take him away from his belief in Hashem, in Sadiqim. He was able to appreciate everything he had. He saw the good in everyone, in everything, in the sophisticate, with all of his money, and all of his wisdom, and all of his power and influence, was miserable all the time. How can it be that somebody who has so little is happy, and someone who has so much is miserable? And the sophisticate had to understand, how come it's not enough for me to know all these things, and to have everything I have? And he said, the reason is, because I'm smarter than everyone else. Obviously there's no God. It's a dog-eat-dog world. Go take what you can, and nothing else matters. And he was miserable. And the simpleton said, of course there's a God. And everything that God gives me is for my ultimate good. And because of that, he never falled into the trap of the sophisticate was able to always be joyous. And that's the lesson for us, my friends. We live in this world full of technology, social media, personalities, fashion, money, stock markets. We can get lost so easily. The only way to truly have a settled mind, to have Yeshuv Hadat, is to be like the simpleton who wasn't a fool. He was just honest and straightforward and saw the good in everyone and everything. May we merit to be Hasidim of the simpleton for ourselves and for others, us, our children, our grandchildren, and all the generations that come after us. Thank you so much for listening, my sweetest friends. That was a really long story, I know. But if you made it this far, yeshokoch. And next week, 
will continue. We'll keep going for as long as it takes. Even after Mashiach comes, I'll still be putting out episodes. I want to thank the grandfather of Akiva, Ezra, Hannah, and Sarah, who sent in a very kind contribution to the podcast. Thank you for your support, and may your grandchildren keep listening to the stories, learning and growing from them, as well as all of you, my sweetest friends. Thank you for sharing the 200th episode with me. Such a special story. I bless you to keep living it, hearing it, and retelling it, and internalizing it. Basimcha, of course, with joy. And keep on sharing this with your friends. Leave me a review wherever you listen. Send me a message wherever you can. And I look forward to our next story together. Zai gesund. Frische koiches. She have renewed strength. And always be lebedig. Serve Hashem with joy and life. Lechaim. How'd that sheep get in there?